0: Just go to Indeed.com/slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking about fantasy football's biggest
1: performances from week nine at every position on Rotoviz Radio. What's
2: up, RotoViz?
1: All right, we are back. It's Curtis Patrick and Dave Cabin. It's another edition of the Tuesday Take 5. We're recording on Monday night during Monday Night Football. As always, an uh, interesting matchup between the Jets and Chargers going on in the background. But we're going to talk about some of this weekend's banner performances at each of the fantasy-relevant uh, positions. If you're just you know, stumbling upon this show on YouTube or on of his Radio and hadn't listened to the format before, we are going to break down the top five performers at each position, unless we decide to pick players other than the top five <laughs> performers. Uh, Cause sometimes, you know, it's those usual suspects and it becomes less and less interesting to talk about maybe Jalen hurts um, in week nine of the season. So maybe some of those players get footnotes and we hire uh, highlight other breakout performances and with heavy buys in week nine, Dave, there are going to be some new names on this list that are going to be exciting to uh, to talk about. So Um, Dave, why don't you take us through some of our advanced analytics on the Monday review tool? Let's just start out with quarterback and hear about who some of these big time performers were in week nine.
3: Well, I'm very excited that we again get to talk about CJ Stroud stringing together. (laughs) One of the more impressive rookie performances that you will ever see across the season at the quarterback position. If you did not know this out there five passing touchdowns yesterday for CJ Stroud, 470 passing yards finishes with 40.8 fantasy points. I also have to call this out to Curtis. Not only did he put up the most yards, he had an a dot of 11 yards by and large, the highest of any passer this week. Very good at converting the air yards. He threw into yards, and I also have to mention a completion percentage of seventy-one point four, only topped by Derek Carr and Jordan Love this week. Who, if you look at Derek mm. Carr and Jordan Love, yeah. and you look at their a dot, what you're going to see is that their a dots are significantly lower. Uh, in one case, less than half of Stroud's a dot. You look at the EPA that he put up in this game. By and large, in that metric, the most useful player for his team with 28.4. Behind him, you see Dak Prescott at just 15.6. Speaks to the kind of things that Stroud is doing. Uh, just absolutely phenomenal stuff. You don't know, forget yeah. just talking about rookies. This is one of the better quarterback passing games that you're ever going to see. I mean, it really is. It's just unbelievable.
1: Well, it was a new. Yeah, I mean, to jump off of that, it was the NFL record for most passing yards in a game by a rookie. Um, he broke Andrew Luck's uh, record in that game. And, f- you know, if you didn't get a chance to watch it, you know, hopefully you've got an NFL ticket or something and you can go back and watch, you know, the fast forwarded version of the game. I-, I mean, he was just masterful, Dave. He was really poised in the biggest moments of the game. His connection uh, with Tank Dell is growing. Uh, Nico Collins also getting it done. We'll probably talk about Tank um, elsewhere in the episode here. But, in honor of CJ, I did break out the Buckeyes oh, hoodie nice, uh, nice. Tonight, tonight, Dave, because I, I mean, after that that was one of those performances where, you know, I start getting texts from my dad anytime a Buckeye does great uh, in an NFL performance. And then, you know, anytime it's a really big performance like that, my dad wants to know, well, hey, did you have this guy in fantasy? Just asking <laughs> basic questions and, and yes. showing some interest yeah. uh, in this hobby. And it's like, Man, I wish CJ. Stroud was the quarterback of the browns, you know, so then then the conversation goes that way. But yep. yeah, th- this guy, I mean this guy's the limit. And, and it all goes back to Dave. I mean, he really did have some of the most impressive production metrics that we look at in our our rookie scouting um, process. One of the the best college passers since two thousand, going back to the road of his uh, fantasy football rookie draft guide. so we'll we'll get back into some of that as we approach you know, the off season later this winter for next year's class. But, you know, Stroud's a guy that was, you know, you know, highlighted in every color for, for both you and I kind of dug in there on keeping him number one, even above Anthony Richardson. Um, You know, that's a conflicting type of conversation now mm-hmm. with Richardson having gotten hurt and looking pretty good before he got hurt. Um, So it's not necessarily about being right on Stroud versus Richardson, but it's, it's about being right on the fact that Stroud was going to be an impact player in the NFL. Uh, in a vacuum so congrats to the young man there anything else you want to add on there uh before we get into some of the other names in the top well, five i just want
3: to speak? say it's it's also really fun because there was all these stories coming out about his poor s2 score if you remember and people you know yeah. trying to ding yeah. him for that so i just love the fact that he just you know wasn't phased oh. at all by that has come out and just shown everybody that you know that did not matter for him at all and he's just balling out so it's, it's always fun to see people yeah. silence their critics like that um, anyway, I mean, he's
1: probably gonna yep. finish the season. He's probably gonna finish the season, Dave. I mean, right now he looks like he's on pace to finish the season as a QB one. I mean, this was his fifth QB one performance of the season. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it was his fourth performance of twenty three PPR or greater. We know he's not a big threat with his legs necessarily, and but he's been so efficient as a passer uh, that he's getting it done. So, I mean, it's gonna be interesting, man. It's gonna be interesting to see if you know. Uh, In week one, nobody's talking about C.J. Stroud being the rookie that would be in that top 12 at the end of the season. All the conversation was about Anthony Richardson because of that Konami code game-breaking ability. So uh, hopefully we'll see Stroud on this list again. Dak Prescott gets back onto the list. His his heater continues from a fantasy perspective anyway.
3: Yeah, for sure. So um, Dak Prescott, 284 fantasy points in this game as i mentioned earlier second highest epa of the week at 15.6 completed 29 of 44 passes for 65.9 completion rate there three passing touchdowns now one thing to note here is he did have an a dot of 9.5 which is one of the higher on the week so you like to see that put up 420 air yards only passer this week that passed for more air yards was C.J. Stroud, Prescott, though, not quite as adept this week as some of these other players in converting uh, into yards with .89 for Pacer. Did add 14 rushing yards with his legs, contributed 19 first downs, and he uh, finishes this game, as I said, with 28.4. So we see Dak Prescott once again find his way into... Uh, Our top five. And if we take a look here just quickly to zone out at his PPR points across the season, we've now seen his three highest games of the season come across the last three. So the Cowboys and Dak look to be trending in the right direction. We have Jalen Hurts on the leaderboard. Once again, we've talked about him enough. But the real surprise of the week and one of those that almost makes me feel like I need to go back and check what happened here. (laughs) Like, is there something wrong in the tool? Because I see Josh Dobbs with 24.9 PPR coming in as QB4 this week and goes 20 of 30 completion rate of 66.7. Just 150 yards, but two passing touchdowns through the air. Uh, As a rusher, though, adds 66 yards and a score. And, uh, (laughs) you know, here's the thing, man, like that's wild. So Josh Dobbs, this year, even with the switch of teams in there, has gone over 20 points four times, has had a couple of, uh, you know, QB one performances strewn into his season. Just not, I mean, there was people out there uh, that if they had just swapped out Kyler Murray for Josh Dobbs, when it was clear that Josh Dobbs had become the starter would have had some really usable weeks. So just, you know, impressive for him to make that change, come into the game midway and make this happen.
1: Yeah. I I switched over here to our NFL stat Explorer view just for a second, Dave, um, to illustrate. Now this doesn't have the week nine results in it yet, but entering week nine, Josh Dobbs was third amongst all QBs in rushing yards this season. Um, and, I mean, now I think he's going to get another start next week because Jaron Hall was concussed. So from a streaming perspective, I don't know. We know that Minnesota has been a fantasy-friendly situation. and I know Justin Jefferson's still not there, but you know this was encouraging. Um, we'll have to see if Dobbs can get it done again, if his number gets called. But when I mean, you talk about – you know just stumbling upon some fantasy gold, especially in uh, super flex leagues or dynasty leagues where you're a little desperate, Dobbs looks to be viable. I will make a note that he entered the game after Jaron Hall got off to a really hot start.
0: And yeah. so if yeah. you're
1: in a deeper if you're in a deeper dynasty league, I mean obviously the focus of this show is is really here and now and, and redraft management and and uh you know high stakes fantasy etc. But if you are a dynasty player and you're listening in or watching and Superflex Jaron Hall was probably widely, widely available. I mean, he was pretty buried and uh, he, he did look nice on that first drive. Obviously the team would probably have a little bit more commitment uh, to h- finding out what he can bring to the table than, than Dobbs per se with cousins out rest of the year. So I do expect Hall to get uh, some more run before the end of the season.
3: Yeah, I think that would make sense. Uh, would be fun, though, to see Dobbs continue to get a chance. Uh, but also Hall looks like a very fun prospect, too. So we'll have to see what what uh, transpires there. Josh Allen comes in as the QB five. Um, not too surprising there. However, uh, a fun one here where Taysom Hill with 20.6 almost clawing his way into QB one rankings who knows in the league that you play in what Taysom Hill is viewed as he went one for one (laughs) Uh, also with with a passing touchdown here Um, as a rusher though uh, 52 yards and then I'd have to pop over to some of the other stats here to take a look at uh, what he did as a receiver but always fun to see Taysom Hill put up these type of numbers we will transition though over two running back now, and if we take a look at the leaderboard this week, we have Rashad White coming in as the RB one. Wow. This was a fun wow. game. Yep. So Rashad White, very high in terms of EPA per snap here, uh, 0. 0.132 That gets him in the likes of Aaron Jones, uh, and some other of these. These very efficient types of players. So Rashad White, a snap share of 80%, really doing all of the work practically in that backfield there. Carries the ball 20 times, 73 yards, two rushing touchdowns, propelling his PPR this week. Also, were four targets and four receptions, uh, where he adds 46 yards as a receiver. Puts up 40 yards after the catch, 10 yards after the catch per reception. Uh, interestingly, it only picks up two first downs. Of course, you know, when you have the two rushing touchdowns, that's going to take some of those away. But we see Rashad White finish with 27.9. Now, across the season for White, this game comes in as just his second where he went over 20 points, just his fourth over 15. Uh, but this was the type of performance that those of the managers out there that were expecting good things from white, you know, we're hoping we would see more of, but pretty impressive stuff from him.
1: In PPR. Uh, this was Rashad white's third consecutive RB one performance. And over the past three weeks, he's averaging 20.56 PPR. So, you know, while this, you know, this game was carrying a little bit of the extra weight there. Um, it is the third straight week of RB one And I mean, you, you really need to have those strong back half performances Uh, From your team in order to, you know, perform well at the most critical times of the fantasy season. And so, you know, White's getting a little bit of momentum. We've seen Baker Mayfield continue to be able to move the offense. They're going to be in scoring position. Actually, I mean, we were talking about C.J. Stroud and, you know, his prowess and, uh, you know, just the magnificent, magnificent performance that he had. It was it's kind of fun watching those two teams just duke it out, and I mean, Mayfield and, and White were able to help orchestrate many drives, uh, keeping the Bucks in it um, throughout the game. So they've got some good, they're they're vibing there, and um, you know, he's he's enough of a checkdown artist, and he's been, you know, I, I guess better enough versus the other options to hold on to the job. You mentioned the efficiency. You know, he's still not – you know, the numbers will improve a little bit after this most recent week, but entering week nine, he was just ninety RB98 in fantasy points over expectation uh, on the year. That's right in line with how he performed as a rookie. So we'll have to see if he can, you know, become a little bit more efficient by scoring some touchdowns. I think that's the majority of where his opportunity lies. But, man, hey, Rashad White could end up as the RB1 on the week. I'm not sure I would have taken the – over on zero point five games as the overall RB one uh, this season for White, so uh, great for him. Your boy Ramondre, <laughs> Mr. Patriot at number two here, man.
3: Yeah, so we finally get to see Stevenson uh, finish in the top five. Of course, I will. I will point out here when Curtis says, "My boy," I was in no way endorsing Ramondre <laughs> for fantasy purposes. No, no, no. He's just a, he's a Patriot, which is why Curtis made the comment. Yes, uh,
1: finishes with twenty-two point yes, nine plays for Belichick. That's it. Correct. Yeah,
3: and uh this was a game for him where he did have a couple of nice big plays. Of course he had the very long touchdown scamper. Uh he finishes with an EPA of 3.5. One of the higher totals on the week. He sees a 62% snap share, just nine rush attempts but 87 yards for him. And a touchdown on a very long play. A rush share, interestingly here, of just 47.4. So if you want to talk about, you know, efficiency, you saw a lot of that come from Stevenson this week. I had a target share of 14%. Had uh, six targets, four receptions. That's 42 yards. Uh, Did see 21 yards Uh, positive here, which are some of the higher air yards that you're going to see from a running back this week. And looking at our leaderboard here, only Alexander Madison had more positive air yards than Stevenson uh, did this week. Also averaging 10.5 yards after the catch. So good game for Stevenson. We got to see a flash of what he could do uh, when the Patriots offense is looking more competent than it had at times this season. Uh, Of course, if you watch this game, you know that there's definitely still some work for the team to do. I also think with some of the injuries that you're seeing at receiver, um, it would make sense for them to continue to try to get Stevenson involved uh, as he might be their most explosive player that they have.
1: Yeah, it was really fun watching him rumble all the way to the end zone and get that one to the house. I wasn't quite sure when he got to, you know, I think it was Mm -hmm. a 50 plus yard play. I think it was a a 64 yard or 20. Yeah, when he got down to around the 20, I'm like, I oh, don't know, those legs look pretty thick. They look like they're <laughs> getting heavy. I thought I thought he was going to get yeah. caught from behind there and uh, made it all the way in. So, I mean, this team, I mean, you're kind of alluding to this. This team's in desperate need of some explosive plays. I mean, it's, it's their their only chance um, to, to maintain or I guess it really more achieve some sort of relevance in 2023. So, you know, hey, if he can be that spark, more power to him. Um, good to see him up there. Good to see this next guy in the top five, too, because, you know, the Raiders, they they might have had the most tumultuous season of of all, yeah, uh, of, of any team. You know, there, there's teams with worse records, but I mean, this team has been all over the place. It's been just a total musical chairs experiment at quarterback. We've had, you know, Willie demand a trade type stuff from, you know, being created by the media around Devontae Adams, of course, then the team. You know, fires, you know, half the front office, including coach Josh McDaniels, uh, last week. And they turned the reins over to Antonio Pierce, one of my favorite draft of players in Madden back in the day. Oh, yeah, I used to yeah. be able to play games. He was always rated so highly uh, in pass coverage. Um, I don't know, it was probably like Madden, I don't know, oh three or something like that mm-hmm. a million years ago. Uh but anyway, Antonio Pierce takes over, defensive minded, Aiden O'Connell hops right in there and the team leans on the run game. I guess, you know, that could be predicted uh, as a result of a defensive minded head coach. Let's shorten the game. Let's take the ball away from maybe from Aiden O'Connell and some of those decisions. And, and Jacobs I mean, he came through in the clutch here. Tell us about his performance, Dave.
3: Yeah. And it's uh, his fourth performance this year um, in which he goes over 15. So we haven't been not talking about Josh Jacobs as much as we might've expected, but in this game, He shoulders 78% of the snaps for the team, 26 rushing attempts, only 3.8 yards per attempt, but it didn't matter with that volume comes up to 98 yards, finds the end zone twice, had a rush share of 77, um, as a receiver, not involved, as you alluded to Curtis, this team did not do very much through the air. So not much more to dig into there other than if the team were to continue to rely so heavily on the ground game. I think you're probably looking at a player that could average somewhere around 23 rushing attempts per game, which I think, you know, would make him a candidate to go over hundred and maybe punch in a touch, you know, one touchdown, a game here uh, on average, as we make our way to the end of the year.
1: Well, let's talk about Keaton Mitchell. Then the RB four on the week uh, in Baltimore, dedicated readers of the dynasty command center, may have picked him up in dynasty after week 3, Dave. 6 wow. weeks ago. Yep. Um is is when you could have picked up Keaton Mitchell in your deep dynasty league, uh if you read that piece. He was also a regrettable um he was somehow like not classified as an honorable mention. It was like I regret that I can't recommend him. I think was something to the effect that Sean put in his Zero RB article uh the last one of the preseason cuz M- Mitchell popped in the preseason. And then he immediately went on IR because of the injury. So Sean left him off of the list, but he still put Keaton Mitchell into that article. And so, I mean, you know, this has been a name on the radar, 98th percentile um, speed per our prospect um, workout explorer tools here on the site. He is definitely a guy that uh, some of our scouting analytics uh, picked up and has been mentioned um, by the team here long before he finally got his opportunity. So, and I mean, he got his chance. And he popped, man.
3: Yeah, for sure. And a player that, uh, you know, if you're solely focused on redraft, would have been easy to forget about. But comes out nine rushing attempts, turns them into 138 rushing yards, which is 15.3 per rushing attempt. We got to see his use of that speed for some explosion. Punches in one rushing touchdown. Only had a rush share of 22 Would be really interesting to see that number creep up next week. Just one target does convert it. Um, However, though, the rushing production is really what drove this performance home for him. We see him finish with 20.4 points as the RB four this week.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Rounding out the top five at the running back position, the King, King Henry. He's back in the top five again. Uh, It's great to see. It is his third straight RB1 performance in PPR formats, and four out of the last five games he's finished at such heights. He's starting to hit his stride. Um, You know, really great to see. Of course, the Titans have kind of handed the reins over to Will Levis. This was his um, second game at the helm there. And, uh, you know, they didn't quite get it done against Pittsburgh, but, you know, the offense is kind of going back through Henry again after being a little bit uncertain what his role would look like through those first three weeks of this season. So kind of setting your clock to this guy. I think he's going to have a lot of top five performances uh, from here on out rest of the year as the Titans still try to stay competitive there in the AFC South, even as their hopes may be dwindling away.
3: Yeah. So Henry only a 49% snap share. However, the snaps that he did see were pretty quality 17 rushing attempts, which he uh, turned into 75 yards. That's 4.4. A clip finds the end zone also saw four targets and is able to take, uh, in three of those targets, turn them into 27 receiving yards as well. So we have seen a bit of a shift where, you know, the rookie in Spears, uh or actually is, is Spears a rookie this year? No. It's his second year, right?
1: No, it's it's, it's Ty J, it's Ty J's second year. It is a
3: Ty J's second year. All right. So the younger player now becoming more involved, but that doesn't seem to have rendered, you know, Henry out of RB1 territory. Uh should be fun to track him. No,
1: he is he's a rookie. We both we both had we both had, we we both. Both had uh Forget, you know, we took forget me nots, uh, yeah. forget me nows so for, for uh, fans of the rest of development. Um, we'll play on uh, there's always money in the banana stand there for Sean. Yep. Um, but yeah, he, he is uh, the rookie from Tulane.
3: Okay. All right. You know, it feels like so long. Well, the thing is, Curtis, you know, at this point, we're practically on to the next <laughs> rookie guide, right? So it's like this is like two years ago now. All right. Uh, yeah. so that takes us through running backs. Let's make our way over to wide receivers and a couple of exciting unsus one name. I did not expect we would ever be talking about on the Tuesday take five here. But first we talked about CJ Stroud, his guy, Nathaniel Dell, who he told the Texans that he wanted goes for 29.6 as the overall wide receiver one this week. Puts up 6.7 EPA. That's 0.11 per snap. Very impressive right there uh, for a player like Dell. Has a snap share of 85%. Also handles two rushing attempts in this game, which we've talked about this before. It's always great when you see teams find ways to get some of these guys involved, speaks to what they want them to be in the offense. 11 targets. That's a target share. 29% converts six into catches but puts up 114 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. And the most notable number here occurred is 222 air yards. That's an air yard share of 48%. And of course, as we talked about CJ Stroud, the highest total of air yards this week, when you have a player like Dell seeing this ridiculous amount of air yards, it's going to be good things. Nine yards after the catch too, as an a dot of 20.2, six first downs for Nathaniel Dell. I mean, just absolutely crazy stuff here from the rookie, uh, especially given the fact that I think in a lot of best ball leagues, a lot of redraft leagues, you know, maybe a last round pick. Actually, I think he might have crept up a uh, little bit by the end of the summer, but this is still wild.
1: Yeah, and um, I mean... In in those roster management leagues, he's probably not starting in many of those either. I think these bench these were bench points for a lot of teams. That's one reason why it's good to mix in some best ball uh, into your your redraft and to your dynasty portfolios. This was Tank Dell's third game over twenty PPR this year. I mean, it's the first time he's going to you know be the the wide receiver one on on the week, you know. But it's his third game over twenty points, and so I mean, this guy can really get it done. I mean, yeah, he you have to have serious questions about, you know, where this guy might go and redraft next year. If he puts up another, you know, two or three performances like this, he's basically giving you what went to, uh, vintage Will Fuller was doing in this uh, Houston yeah. Texans yeah. days. It's like, you know, total boomer bust type player, but the, the booms are huge. Uh, so that was great to see that, you know, really the top 12 to 15 wide receiver performances of the week, it's just littered with Houston Texans because, you know, rising tide, lifts all boats and, you know, CJ Stroud was captaining the ship on top of that tide. Uh, CD, uh, CD lamb here, he continues his tear. You know, he, as Dak has emerged uh, over the past month or so, you know, we were kind of hard on CD at the beginning of the season. It's like, eh, I mean, I don't know if he's really going to be a league winner type at the end of that round one top of uh, round two. And, you know, he's continued to uh, emerge here and he was re- I didn't think he'd be able to get it done um, against Philly just because I figured they would key in on him so much. I thought this would be a Brandon Cooks, uh, Michael Gallup, Jake Ferguson game. It did end up being a Jake Ferguson game, but, I mean, mostly it was a C.D. Lamb game.
3: Yeah, I mean, we don't need to spend too much time on Lamb here. Other, I think, than just to say if C.D. continues to play like this, you know, I think that you're starting to see him flirt with the highest tier of wide receiver Uh, You know, another game where if you look at uh, his air yards, you know, you'll see just ridiculous numbers. 234 air yards had 56% of the team's air yards. On top of that, he has 57 yards after the catch and eight out of 14.6. This is just really impressive stuff from CD behind him, though.
1: Oh, go ahead. One one last thing here. I mean, he's averaging thirty four and a half PPR over the past two weeks. <laughs> so, I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> yep. You know, the uh, the forty one last week were great, but I mean, following it up with what twenty eight point one this week. I mean that that's great. I mean that is the, that's the elite tier. That's that's what you wanted when you drafted Justin Jefferson. It's what you wanted when you drafted Jamar Chase. So I, I agree with your comment there that you know, this, this is the stuff that it takes to, to jump tiers, And in the absence of Cooper cup, having a, a decent quarterback in the absence of Justin Jefferson playing, I mean, the door is cracked here for, for lamb to level up. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Noah Brown, another Houston Texan in the top five. I don't know if this is repeatable, man. I mean, I, it's, it's great to see I mean, He's such a big target. And if Stroud, if Stroud's ascension really hits the highest of heights, you could end up with a, you know, a pseudo Cincinnati Bengals situation where three receivers are relevant for a bit. You know, we, we saw a couple, we've seen a couple years this year not being one of them where Chase, Higgins, and Tyler Boyd were all relevant. You know, it's way too early to to predict that in Houston, but the conditions are such that, you know, C.J. Stroud um, really busts out that you could have three relevant uh, players, I would put my money though on tank Dell, Nico Collins and Dalton Schultz being those. And you just, you know, if you were lucky enough to own or be exposed to Noah Brown in any of your leagues, you know, you just, you know, count the dollars because you actually got some points from him. But, um, is there anything you want to highlight about his performance before we move on to Amari? I
3: think what we'll talk about here just quickly is a target share of around 16, um, does finish with 153 receiving yards Had 75 air yards, but 78 yards after the catch, uh, which, you know, I think does kind of speak to this might not be the type of game that you could expect every week, but still a fun performance uh, for Noah Brown. Behind him, you have Amari Cooper, uh, you have Diggs. I don't know if we need to dig into them too much other than, you know, Diggs has just been super strong this season. Uh, What we will do here is put up Diggs, and cooper in our uh ppr per game view you can see how strong Diggs has been this year also uh, a couple of nice performances from amari cooper you know i think as we continue to see deshaun watson um under center for cooper uh we should continue to see some games like this uh any notes on those guys before we move along
1: yeah, I mean, those were two of the the games that I was able to watch in in their uh, uh, in their fullness um, on Sunday as they were occurring, and I mean, Amari, if if Deshaun can can keep throwing the ball a little bit better, and he was able by the end of that game, it's almost like some of the mechanics were coming back. He was really driving the ball. Uh, he had one completion that I, I think was over fifty air yards to Amari down the right sideline. I know the catch. Ended up registering over 50 yards. I can't remember exactly the air yardage on the throw, but I mean Amari's still so good. Yeah, that's that's like he's still so good, and it hasn't come through this year because of the in Browns' offense, you know, being in a little bit, you know, of a stutter step mode here. But there's still some room for him to to emerge over the back half of the season after the slow start there. And then Diggs, I mean, this Bills' offense. It's, it's a problem. I mean, it's a real problem because we're back into Josh Allen has to do everything mode. And that kind of hurts everybody. You know, he can, he can start running and that's good for Josh Allen, but you know, they, I think in order for Diggs to get back where he, you know, is really excelling, we've got to see more consistency out of Gabe Davis and or some semblance of a running game. And the running game is, is really, you know, dead essentially right now. So, you know, the team signed playoff Lenny. We'll have to see if they can get something going there, but if, if they know Allen's going to throw and they know Diggs is the most dangerous weapon, they'll be happy to let him continue checking down to Dalton Kincaid and, and Diggs could, could struggle to, to put up consistency with the elite performances. I mean, he still gets his place here and there, but you know, we didn't see him with a CD lamb level performance this week in a spot where, you know, the bills really could have used it
3: for sure. All right, transitioning over to tight end, yet another Houston Texan to talk about here. You have Dalton Schultz finishing with 27 PPR. I actually might need to go back, Curtis, and crawl through some of the data that we have and see if we have a week where you've had this many players on a team finish in the top five of their respective position. Uh, or so, I'm sure there's some type of crazy thing I could pull on this. Uh, anyway, uh, 27 yeah. points finishes with a snap share of 80%, target share of 29%, 10 receptions on 11 targets, puts up 130 receiving yards, has a score, an air yard share of 15%, which is 68 air yards, also records 73 yards after the catch, uh, which is 7.3 yards after the catch per reception. Very impressive stuff from him there. An dot of 6.2, seven first downs, really speaking to the level of involvement that he had as a tight end this week. Now, we saw Schultz put together a very good year last year in Dallas. Naturally, uh, these numbers speak to the fact that he is becoming... I, I don't know if we should say becoming, but he's you know involved in this offense that's becoming one of the more attractive fantasy offenses. At least it's looking like right now. So you you know you like to see that from Schultz.
1: This is kind of a. I don't think I would. This is like a bar trivia thing, but the, if if Schultz just continues his pace now, after putting this this week's performance into the mix, he'll end up with his fourth consecutive season finishing as a tight end one um i'm not sure i would have you know i'm not even sure i would have guessed him having more than one i mean he obviously had that huge you know the breakout year in 2021 where he was tight in three overall not over 210 ppr uh in in 2020 and 2022 he did sneak in as the tight end 10 and tight end 12 he was tight in 14 entering this week he's certainly going to be in the top 12 after this performance so yeah i mean Hey, you get tied to that exciting young upstart quarterback. I mean, maybe Schultz will have found a new uh, fantasy-friendly home there in Houston. Uh, our boy Cole Komet, who we usually talk about, uh, you know, from an exciting perspective, being tied to Justin Fields, and we thought maybe that offense could emerge. But he's he's you know the favorite of uh, Mister Bajin there, uh, who's been filling in. I don't know. I guess at the pseudo replacement level, at least over the past couple of weeks, at least from Cole Komet's perspective, because he's on a heater now. Um, Komet really climbing up the boards. This is his second consecutive week as a top five. Was he the number one overall last week? I'm trying to remember. Uh, I think he, uh, he was, was but we
3: will five. find out. So last week, number one. Oh, actually, no, he was actually down at five.
1: Um, okay, so he's, he was at five. All right, yeah, so we did the Travis McBride so week last week. This is his six, uh, fifth performance as a tight end one on the year, and he had 17.9 PPR last week and followed it up with 20-plus this week. So Cole Komet managers, uh, you know, pretty happy. Hopefully you started him this week. After we did We did talk about him on last week's Start Sit Show, I know some people had some questions and we recommended him. Uh, so make sure you tune into that on Thursdays, and, you know, you don't end up with Cole Komet's points on your bench. But Dave, why don't you highlight some of the advanced metrics on Comet's performance?
3: Yeah. So Comet uh finishes with 23.5 PPR, plays 85% of snaps, eight targets, six receptions, has a target share of 31%. Speaking to this idea that uh, you know, definitely becoming the go-to guy there, helping out his young quarterback. Scores two receiving touchdowns in this game. 55 receiving yards. 41 air yards, which is actually a, a 20.1% air yard share. 23 yards after the catch and an a dot of 5.1. Picks up four first down for the Bears. You look at the last couple of weeks for him. Um, they have been very solid. You know, over the last two weeks, Curtis, in terms of targets now, Uh, finishing around 20 targets across the last two weeks. Um, I think at this point, uh, you know, Cole Clement showing us that he is many of the things that we hoped he would be when he entered the league. Now that we're seeing him do some of this work outside of Justin Fields and with another passer, you always like to see it.
1: I think he will end. I mean, I mean, barring something just, legendary on Monday night football. Cole Komet probably ends this week as a top five, uh, with top five on the season status at the tight end position. He was tight end seven entering this week and then put together this great performance. Um, one of your, uh, guys that you like to highlight at the end of drafts this summer, Dave was Kate Otten. Uh, he, he was really, uh, one of the shining stars for Baker Mayfield in that big game against Houston.
3: Yeah. So he puts up 23 E, uh, Excuse me, twenty-three PPR points has an a hundred percent snap share. Speaking to his involvement there, nine targets, six receptions, seventy receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. four Cade Auden, seventy-three air yards, second highest total among tight ends of the week. An air yard share of twenty-eight adds thirty-three yards after the reception. That's five point five yards after the catch. Per reception, dot of 8.1. Uh, nice performance here from Kate Auden. Does he profile as the type of player that we're going to see do this every week? No, um, but I do think that one of the reasons to like Auden is you never know when a week like this is going to get sprinkled in. You know, we probably owe a little bit of an apology to Baker Mayfield for how, you know, you <laughs> talked about him over the summer, yeah. basically thinking he was going to render much of this offense entirely useless But uh, it has not been as bad as we had expected. And, uh, you know, nice game here from Cade Auden. Another tight end that we talked about a lot over the summer was Jake Ferguson. Talked about Lamb and Dak earlier. Yet another player translating into a terrific performance here as a result of his entire offense doing well. He finishes with 22.1 PPR, plays 89% of snaps, has a target share here of 23 percent saw 10 targets catches seven of them picks up 91 receiving yards and a score 75 air yards which was the highest total of the week among tight ends and a share of 18 percent which uh you know if you remember Dak was number two in air yards this week so always nice to see him picking up 18 percent also scores uh excuse me picks up five First downs an a dot of 7.5 and averages six yards after the catch per reception Uh, on the season. If we take a look at some of his graphs here, we'll see that this was his, uh, let me go to PPR here quickly. This was his third game of the season with more than 15 points. His first game of the season going over 20 in terms of targets uh, we've seen many games now where he's gone over seven targets. This was his fourth of the season. So Ferguson hopefully gets to continue with this type of target share in an offense that is trending in the right direction. So to round things out here at tight end, Johnu Smith. You know, I had looked at this matchup, went through the passing game matchup raider, said this one looks like it was better for Pitts than it was for Smith. What happens? Smith breaks a huge reception, manages to finish, get highlighted in our leaderboard. Another time this season with 21 points, Curtis plays just 57% of snaps and still gets six targets, converts on five of them, 100 receiving yards and a touchdown, of course, just 12 air yards What's driving this game 104 yards after the catch. As I said, (laughs) he broke off what I think was somewhere around like a 70 yard uh, receiving touchdown, which really drives this performance for Smith and what continues to probably be one of the most frustrating things of all time for managers who were high on Kyle Pitts this year.
1: I mean, it's only, yeah, it's, the, the people who aren't frustrated would be anyone who drafted Johnny Smith in the basketball.
3: <laughs> yes. Yes. Um
1: that, those are the only people not frustrated. Johnny Smith, surprised tight end one on the season so far. He was tight end 12 entering the in entering the week. And you know, he's not moving down the rankings with the top <laughs> finish Dave, Oh man. Um, I, I don't want to talk about him anymore. Um I do want to highlight here. Just one thing real quick on Dalton Kincaid, if you can pull his line up. He did not score a touchdown, um, so he wasn't able to sneak into the top five, but he did have an impressive 10 receptions, I believe 81 receiving yards. I'm just curious about on those receptions what his target share uh, was this week, because it, yes. in the two weeks leading up to this, he had a 22% share and an 18% share in week seven and eight, and then going back to week uh, four, he had a 21% share. So we'd seen him emerge... Is getting a lot of attention from Josh Allen. And he also was uh, rated number one amongst all tight ends and receiving air yards conversion rate, uh, racer. And so, you know, some of the leading indicators of, you know, true breakout being there, I think, you know, this this is his third straight tight end one week. I'm just curious about his share and if we can really project this um, forward now with Doc, Dawson Knox continuing to be out of the lineup.
3: Sure. So he plays a snap share of 70% in terms of target share. Uh, He saw 11 targets, Curtis, which was good for 34.4 target share. Uh, Also, in terms of air yards, had an air yard share of just 14%, but does pick up five first downs for the team, uh, kind of speaking to the type of usage he was seeing. In my opinion, we have seen him become the wide receiver too, if you will, there. He's the second look for Josh Allen. Uh, This is still an offense I think you want a part of. It looks like there's a lot of trust in him. He delivers. I think throughout the rest of this season, you should see Kincaid looking like a player that's going to be in tight end one contention every single week. And if you zoom out beyond that, I think that we're going to be looking at Dalton Kincaid probably as a top six tight end, uh, you know, in seasons going forward for a number of years.
1: It must've been at least eight to 10 times or something in that game last night that I saw, uh, he he lined up as uh, a solo receiver on the opposite side of the formation of trips receivers. Yeah, um, and so I mean that's like that's you know a, a really common usage uh, for Travis Kelsey in the Chiefs offense. So you know I would tend to agree with you. I mean it looks like they're starting to uh, open pages of the playbook for Kincaid that weren't necessarily open to Knox, um, and that is, that is you know a little bit of. Uh, a new wrinkle to the Bills offense that, you know, maybe they'll play more into as the team, you know, struggles and looks for that next win. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the uh, roundup here of the breakout performances of week nine. We'll be back in week 10 uh, to highlight the performances next week. As far as programming the rest of this week goes, you can expect to see uh, dynasty command center and the Start Sit Show, which is a live event every Thursday right before Thursday Night Football. So, uh, if you are interested in getting advice from Dave and I on your lineup decisions, make sure that you are subscribed to our RotoViz YouTube channel here. You'll get a notification when the show goes live. You can drop your questions in, and we'll be sure to answer those before kickoff.
3: Thank you for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.